Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Before we get to the message, I want to encourage all of you who live locally to go online and sign up for one of our backyard barbecues this summer. Oaks Barbecues are your best opportunity to meet and make new friends at Oaks Church. To see all the available groups and sign up, visit oakschurch.com forward slash groups. Now, let's check out today's message. The title of my message that I want you to write down is I Am Significant. I want you to write that down. Take good notes. Take out your phone. I am significant. Because this is going to transform your life. And the Holy Spirit was actually bringing a story to mind. And it was a story in the Old Testament about how Moses, God was teaching him. And he was saying, what you're going to do when your kids ask you, why do you do this? He said, because what you're going to do is you're going to remind them that we came from the house of bondage to the house of freedom. And, and, and I, I believe what the Lord is going to do today is help somebody go from bondage to freedom. And some of you are feeling freedom already in your life. And what you're going to do with those that you invite and your family and friends is going to say, I haven't always been this way. There was a day when I was in bondage. There was a day when I had problems. There was a day that I didn't know what to do. And so we're going to talk about how, how, you, how valuable you are. Because significance means uh, something of great value or worth. So first, turn to your neighbor and say, you're worth something. Now turn back to him and say, smile, you're at church. <laughs> it's funny how, you know how you turn the first time, like, you're worth something. And you look with a scowl on your face. It's like, okay. <laughs> smile, hey, you're worth something. You're valuable. And, and mean it with your whole heart because God means it too. So I want you to start with me in Luke chapter 7. And I want to start in verse 11. So Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. I want to read the story of first the widow. And then I want to read the story of the Shunammite woman. That's a place. I'm not speaking in tongues. But the Shunammite woman. And what we're going to do is we're going to extract the truth today and how it speaks to us. Okay? So here we go. Verse 11 says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Nain was about 15 miles away from Jerusalem, headed to Carmel. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd around, uh, from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bear, which is just a piece of the coffin that they were carrying him on. The bearer stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Everybody say, wake up. Yeah. Come on, everybody say, wake up. Yeah. Right? We got to wake up. There's some things that God's going to wake in your heart today. That the enemy is trying to put a lid on you and say, you're done. Enough for you. And God's going to say, time to wake up. There's more for you. Right? Do you believe that? So here goes. And then he says this. The man, the dead man sat up and began to talk. They don't record the conversation. I would love to be there. What was it like in heaven? What did you, I, I want to know what he said. Like, what a crazy, I don't know. It's really fun. You can fill in the blank and just create something. No, shit. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's very key. Then I want you to read these two phrases that they're about to say to Jesus that are very important. 
They were all filled with awe and praised God. And they said this, this is key. A great prophet has appeared among us. Then they said, God has come to help his people. Powerful. So go now with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And then we're going to read the story, the first part of the Shunammite woman. This is a powerful story. If you get, take the time, it actually goes on for a few more chapters in how the Lord ministers to her and does a lot of work in her life. So right here it says in verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there, or a great woman, a wealthy woman, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him. We'll put a bed in it, a table, a chair, a lamp. She decorated, right? Then he said, or then he can stay here whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to the room to lay down, and he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he said, woman, come here. So he said to him, uh, he said to him, I want you to pay attention to that. He said to him, not her, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Now, I want to tell you the Hebrew translation for that. I'm fine. I'm okay. Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm fine. You know how you do I'm okay. I got this. That's what she said to him. And I believe many of us, we do that in passing. How are you doing today? I'm fine. When there's so much pain. When there's really hurt, when there's really heartache, when there's just troubles, when I feel, I feel disconnected, when I feel, we're not true with our feelings because, because of a lot of reasons, but I believe that the Lord wants to start pulling some of that out of us today and start helping speak to our heart. So then he says this, <clears throat> he said, she, or she replied, I have a home among my own people. And he said, what can be done for her? Elijah asked Gehazi. She has no son and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, call her. Now he called her the second time. So he called her and she stood in the doorway or the threshold about this time next year. You will hold a son in your arms. If God himself walked in here today and said, what do you want most? Ask me and I will give it to you. How would you respond? Uh, that, that's a, how would you? You'd be like, yes, I'm ready. You know, I would start shouting out. I'd roll out the list and I'd be like, here we go. I've got a laundry list of things I would love for you to take care of, right? Come on, let's be real. And she says this. She says, no, my Lord. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the word of God had already gone forth. So what does the Bible say about the word of God? It shall not return void. So even though in spite of her hurt, He's still going to help her. So he speaks the word of God. And every time the word of God is spoken, hear me now, new believers, long-time believers, every time the word of God is spoken, that calls for a response. When Jesus said, I am, an entire troop fell to the ground. When Jesus said, I am the Messiah to the woman at the well, whew, all of her sin and shame was gone. Every time the word of God is spoken, it calls for a response. And so he spoke this, and she became pregnant. And then after she became pregnant, she had the son. The son was full grown. And then the son dies in his father's arms, and she goes running. What does she do? 
wail, whine, cry, complain, talk to the problem? Nope, she goes to the prophet. She says, the son you gave me, you need to come heal. And the prophet comes back and heals and raises her son to life. Now, those two stories, when the Holy Spirit told me to read into these, look into these, I was like, well, the obvious depiction between the two really bring a correlation. So I can see how Jesus raised the son from the dead, right, and gave him back to the mother. I can see how Elisha gave a son, raised a son, gave him back the son. I see that, Lord. But what also happened is this. I began to dig a little deeper because gold is only as good as the digger, amen? So you dig a little deeper and you dig a little deeper and what you find out is Nain is in the same area that the Shunammite woman lived. So now doesn't it make sense when they say, surely this is a great prophet of God? So then it makes sense because they, they knew, those people knew this is where Elijah did the same thing. And Jesus, who was just walking through, you think Jesus was walking through by accident or just by chance? Just kind of showed up in the area. Oh, there's a funeral? Good timing. I'll just, you know, see what happens. No, Jesus doesn't. That's perfect timing. That's God's timing. Let me tell you, the lesson for all of us today is this. You're here in perfect timing. You're here on purpose. This message isn't for somebody in the distance or somebody that you want to elbow during the message. This message is for you. And the significance of this message is going to transform your life. This is a one of six part series that I began to teach to our church about the revelation and the revival of value as the body of Christ. Because what we have done is said, I'm not worthy. No, that's selfish. No, that's vain. And we have pushed away the power of God in our life because we discredit and discount ourselves when God says, I made you worthy. I came. Because you were, if you weren't worthy, he would have never sent his son. But you're worthy. And so Jesus shows up in perfect timing and raises this young man from the dead. Do you think for a moment that the mother lost her husband? Lost her son? Do you think she ever thought maybe the thoughts like we think? Does anybody even know my name? I've been coming to this church for multiple weeks. and Does anybody care about me? I, I don't even know if I care to God. I don't, I don't know if God values me. I don't even know if I matter. Do I make a difference in this world? You ever thought those thoughts? I'm, or am I the only one? I think all humanity thinks those thoughts. Am I just another number? Do I matter? Do I value? And Jesus, that's why I love the second part. Jesus said, they said, surely God has come to help us. Because all of a sudden Jesus shows up and says, you're not forgotten. No, 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 I didn't come here by chance. I knew you needed me. I heard your cry, and man, I came running. I'm here right on time. And Jesus shows up in her life and begins to show her how valuable she really is. And you know what the best part is? We don't even know her name. We don't even know her name, yet she's impacting generations, thousands of years later from her story. And the same one with the Shunammite woman. Now let's go back there. The Shunammite woman is a nameless woman. Do you ever felt, think she felt the same way? I think so. And I'm going to show you. See, because the first thing that happens is this. I want to talk to you about your worth and your value. The first thing that happens is they say, this is a great woman, a wealthy woman, a well-off woman. Let me just tell you, your wealth does not determine your worth. Come on, somebody said a good amen right there. It, your, your bank account does not reflect your value. 
That, that does not speak to you. Yeah, you can clap for Jesus. You can go ahead and give God some. I know some of y'all are wanting to. Be expressive. It's okay. Take a deep breath, everybody. We're in a school, but let's go ahead and bring the Holy Spirit in this place. Because it's okay. You need to be able to express yourself in the kingdom. Because if you don't, who will? Did you know I can't worship for you? Did you know I can't pray for you? I can pray about you. I can't pray for you. There's a huge part to the body of Christ that will remain unactive until you begin to speak and express yourself. So that's a side note. So she, she, she's a well-to-do, worthy woman, and, and we think sometimes we equate our, what we've accomplished, our resume, with our worth. If I do more, if I accomplish more, and, and the, the, the lie is this, I think, I really believe in my heart, I can increase my value in society. I really believe I can increase my value to my friends. I really believe that I, if I can do this, I will be more valuable to God. And if you can increase it, you can decrease it. So see the, see the wrong thought process and heart set here? Let me just show you something. I have these championship rings from being a coach. And I, when I first got them, I used to wear them uh, we won two back-to-back -back state championships for baseball in Arizona. And when I used to wear them, I used to wear them for fun. Then I began to wear them to prove. Do you like me? A am I good enough? If you know I've accomplished this, if you know, my if you know I can do it, would you value me more? And I began to wear them. I don't wear them. I didn't wear them today. I actually brought them with me just to show an example because I had gone through a transforming moment in my life of learning that my value does not come from what I've accomplished or have not accomplished. Come on, how many want to die? I don't want to live that roller coaster anymore. I know I'm talking to some people in here who can relate because we live the roller coaster of this all the time. But let me tell you, when your price is set, you don't have to live that roller coaster. And let me tell you, you were bought with a price. Jesus has already set the number. Have you ever got any garage sale people out there? Who loves to go to garage sales? You're like, oh, come on, yeah, I love the passion in that. Yes, if I had something to give away, I'd give it to you. But we have this wonderful thing where, we're, where we love to go to garage sales because we want to see what's available. We want to see what's there. But what happens if you're a garage sale person or a yard sale person? What happens when you get there and there's something you want and it doesn't have a price tag on it? Here we go. I'm going to whittle this person down to nothing. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to get this. I'll, I'll give you a nickel. <laughs> and you start way down here because there's no price. Because it be, can be finagled with. And a lot of us live our life like this. Like we have no value set for us. The price has not been set for us. We don't know how much we're worth. We don't know where our worth comes from. But yet if you have a revelation and a revival within your heart. Come on church, I know I'm preaching. If you have a revival within you that begins to understand that he has already paid the price. So you don't need to live this back and forth, this up and down roller coaster. You don't need to accomplish more to be valued more. Your worth doesn't come from your wealth because it comes from the one who established you on this earth. That's who it comes from. And then what happens? She has the prophet who's coming by and he stops in once. She's like, it'd be cool to have him back again. I would love to have that. So she starts feeding him. So then after she starts feeding him, she's like, let's make a room for him. Because it becomes 
a reoccurrence. Let me just tell you, this is an early depiction for all you theologians out there of the body of Christ to come in the New Testament where the word of God was going to be in a distant, it was in a distant synagogue. It was in a different place through a different guy. And, and, and now it's coming to my home. And what happened is, is I went to church once and I kind of liked it. I'll go back. And you keep coming and you keep coming and you keep coming. And all of a sudden you start making room for God, not just every once in a while, but in your life completely. And so we'll get back to that here in a moment. But so what happens is she adds a wing to her home. So she builds a whole nother room for this prophet, for the word of God in her life. And he gets, she gets there and he's staying there. And you imagine being that person who loves to give. How many love to give? I'm like, yes, I hope he likes the lamp that I put in there. You know, I did a new painting over here and I made sure the colors, oh, the colors just pop in that room. It is so comfortable. Have you felt the bed? You're thinking of all of those things and you want to host and take care of them. And then this is what happens. I have to come down here. Everybody okay? Everybody okay with me walking around like this? I walk around with our church. Take a deep breath. Don't get nervous if I reach out. Grab a hold of you. No. So I have, uh, I have this picture in my mind of what happened. See, what happens is Elijah standing right here in the room. He's sitting probably on his little chair. And then he says, call the woman. You ever tried that before? Guys, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> They're like... You don't even know how to respond. Most of you men are just looking straight for like, I would, hun, I would never. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> what do you tell a man who has a black eye? Nothing. He's already been told once. That's what happens when you snap. <clears throat> so you're sitting there. He's sitting there. He says, go get the woman. The woman comes. Because he didn't even call her by name. This woman built a wing onto, his, onto her home, and he doesn't even know her name. Yeah. You ever gone to church and nobody, did somebody forget your name? And then you're mad for like, a week, right? She comes in and she gets there and he, the servant Gehazi's in front of Elijah and he doesn't even look at her. He says, ask her, doesn't even acknowledge her, what can we do for her? What? To, I mean, just ignores her completely. She comes into the room. Now, first you could chalk it up as culture, right? Because in Hebrew culture, this would be appropriate. But you can't because the second time that she comes in the room, he speaks to her face to face. And he doesn't speak through Gehazi. So you can't count it up for culture, but you'll have to check it up to this. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. It was a heart check. Are you only doing this to make me like favor you? Are you only putting an offering in the plate so that the pastor will come and do something special for you? Are you, well, it was a heart check of why are you doing this? It, it was like, if I don't treat you perfect, are you still gonna be good? Do you know where your value comes from? And the woman responds perfectly. She's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Right? We heard that. And she's, she's, she's okay. But let me tell you, a lot of us, that's right here, our value comes from how other people treat us. Yeah. If you treat me right, I'll feel good. If you don't treat me right, I'm going to stew about it for about a month, maybe 10 years. <laughs> Right? Come on, let's be real. Y'all know what I'm talking You have an offense, you have a problem with somebody, and it's the way, if, if I don't get treated right, if I don't get respected right, if I don't get the honor that I deserve, you know, I, I don't, you gotta be careful because if you live off of other people's praise, you're gonna die off their criticism. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're gonna live a roller coaster life that's not fun. I used to do that. One of my best friends is right here. Pastor Joel's my best friend. One of my longest best friends right here is Zach. They're about to have a baby, like tomorrow or something like that. Him and his wonderful wife, Katie. <clears throat> and um, 
My, I always looked up to him. I have always looked up to him. He's always been great with his finances, his friends, his everything. He's been, he's just like the perfect guy, you know? And I'm like, oh, Zach, I want to be like you. And so we grew up together, but I've, I've, for a long time, I, would, I, would, I wanted, I needed his praise. I, would need, I needed my friend's praise. I need, is that all right? For a while, I needed the, my church. I needed them. Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm doing okay. Just clap every once in a while. You know, I would, I would go. Yeah, some of you were like, I want to help you. I do. We, but we all do. We all do to a certain extent. We seek, I, I've had people, like we had our, our Easter services last year in a huge stadium feel like to me because we were used to a couple hundred seats and this was a 1500 seat auditorium it was amazing it was incredible I felt good and then afterwards I had people coming up to me like oh man Pastor Lynn did we just walk into Lakewood with Joel Osteen man that was awesome or did we just walk into Elevation with Stephen Furtick good lord that was great and they get and I'm like yes yeah we're doing great and then but I'm remember I'm talking about praise and criticism if I live off the praise I'm gonna die if I don't know where my value is, there was a couple, uh, a long time ago, when I first planted our first church in Lake Havasu, Arizona, I covered for my father for the first time. I was 24 years old, and I was so excited. I was like, Dad's gone. Time for me to step up to the plate. I got this. So I got up there, and I preached about dreaming. Who wouldn't want to hear about dreaming? So I'm talking about dreaming, and I'm like, hey, let's dream. And I preached my heart out. And then I walk off the stage and we're a set up and tear down church like I was talking to you about. And we're setting up and tear down and I'm grabbing some huge heavy thing and I'm like lugging it through. And this guy stops me. He's like, you were all over the place, man. You were sporadic. You were erratic. You were, you were crazy, man. You were just crazy. And he just begins to do this. You're crazy. You're crazy. Like I, that's what I remember. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm holding this huge heavy thing. And I'm like, okay. And I was like. Well, and I do the line. You have, there's a line for preachers. Well, if you didn't like this week, come back next week, and my father will make it all better. And I just was like, I'm sorry. And I, like a pathetic whip little dog, I walk out crying. And I call my dad. I said, Dad, I failed. I did terrible. Everyone, I had so much praise. And I had one person. And I said, it was horrible. I didn't do it right. I'm crying on the phone. It was so hurtful. He said, no, you didn't. You did good. I'm proud of you. He used to be an F for me. Two weeks later, uh, I look at the newspaper a lot because I'm an AD. I was an athletic director at the time. And so I'm looking at the newspaper, the sports page. So I get the newspaper in the morning, first thing, right on the front page. That guy is on the front page. Man arrested, put in an insane asylum. Literally, title of the page. And I was, <laughs> crazy. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I was like, yes. It was vindication for me. I'm like, I am not crazy. Maybe a little bit. But, I ha but it was, it, what we call this in therapy and in counseling is reflective, right? What they were doing is not reflective listening. They were reflecting their own damage on me. And a lot of people, what they're going to do with your success, with your good marriage, with your good kids, with how you're doing in your life, how happy you are, is they're going to reflect, I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. And all that means is when they say you can't is they can't. All that means is when they say that, oh, no, you, you don't have enough talent. You're not intelligent. I'm not talented enough. I'm not intelligent enough. 
And you got to cast down those words. Come on, I really feel like there's a healing coming from somebody that you're going to be free from the house of bondage because you've been allowing the words of the enemy and other people too much space in your life. And you haven't allowed enough space for God's voice in your life. You don't need everybody's opinion. You need his opinion. You don't need to live and die on everybody else's word. You need to stand on the rock that is the word. God has called you to live a life of significance. Not only are you valuable, but everything you do is valuable. And and you have to see it on a greater scale. You have to continue to allow your mind to open up to a new perspective, to a new way of thinking, to a new way of valuing yourself. And I believe it's going to happen today. And then what happens is uh, she makes room for the prophet. So what she does is, I want everybody to repeat this after me. She increase, increase. come on, say it with increase, increase. My, capacity. my capacity. We're going to do it again. Ready? Increase, increase. My, capacity. my capacity. I need you to believe it with all your heart because what we typically do is, God, you ever said this before? We just got a busy schedule. We just got a lot on our plate. We got a lot of things going. We got oh, this too much. We got the kids and we got soccer and we got baseball and we got the finances and I got the new business and we got a new launch and we got all the things we got. And you're like, you're talking about how busy you are and God's talking about, well, you keep asking me to bless you. You keep asking me for more. You keep asking me to provide. You keep asking me to give. And I keep doing that. But we have this little eight ounce cup and God's got 15 gallons that he's trying to give you. And instead of saying, God, I've got too much, you need to start saying, God, I need a bigger plate. I need a bigger cup. I need a bigger, I need to be able to expand. Come on, increase my capacity. And God begins to help you increase your capacity. Well, how this worked for us is, I I began to talk about, oh, our church is growing, our building is full. Oh, I could easily be like, I have a happy life. I'm debt free, I have nothing. Our church is debt free. We're in the first year, this is too crazy. And I'm all excited and I could be, I'm too busy for anything else. But then the Lord calls me to prison ministry at the beginning of our ministry and we start doing prison ministry and it went from, hey, how can I serve you? to why don't you come and speak, to now we have favor with three different prisons. I work with the governor of the state of Arizona, and we've seen over 550 men give their life to the Lord, and 200 (laughs) baptized. Our whole state is being transformed from a little church called Bridge that nobody knew about. Let me tell you, you could feel like you're a nobody but you can make an impact that can change your entire city, your state, and your nation. Do not discount or devalue your significance. You gotta understand that you're significant and watch God expand. Say, okay, God, I had to make room. I had to go down to the prisons and preach. I had to go down. Trust me, I'm not the guy to do that. I am a scared little white boy who does not understand. Like, I, I didn't go to prison. I didn't have a rough, rough life. And so I got up there my first time, like, they all look, have looks that way nicer than you. They look like they want to hurt me. And so I was like, hi, guys. I bought Chick-fil-A for you. And they're like, yeah. And I bought, they went nuts. I bought Chick-fil-A, opened the door, and I ministered. And we watched 100 men that day give their life to the Lord. But let me tell you, God is going to continue to help you. Yeah, you can give God some praise for that. It's wonderful. And you got to continue to say, okay, Lord, expand my plate. But it comes from right here. 
In fact, Tiffany, as I prepare to close, will you come join me on the keys? I, I feel like right now that many of us want this, but I, I just don't know if I can. And that's where this woman comes in in the next part of the story. He says, call her back again. And she stands at the threshold. What is the threshold for? It's right in the middle. Am I going in or am I backing out? This is the threshold of hope or despair. This is the threshold of can I believe or am I just going to be disappointed? This is the threshold of pain and healing. It's, it's deciding which side are you going to be on this? Are you going to dare to dream again? And she, he speaks to her and he says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And unlike you and I, if God told me, hey, your wife, you've been praying for 12 years to have a baby. She's pregnant and we're going to have a baby. I would go nuts. I would freak out and I'd be so excited. She says, and I understand where she's coming from. She says, no, no, prophet, do not do that. Because if I hope again, that means I'm valued. If I dare to believe again, that means I'm worth something. I can't believe that. See, generous people are so used to giving and making room for other people, they don't know how to make room for themselves. And when God says, hey, I know you made room for me. I'm gonna make room for you. No, it's not gonna feel good at first. I know it's gonna be tough because you're a generous person. I know you're a giver. I know you got a heart to love people. And usually everyone else comes first except for you. I'm going to move some stuff. Is that all right? And I'm going to make room for you. Because even through your hurt, I'm going to help. Isn't that what they said about Jesus? Surely our God has come to help us. What a moving statement from a whole town of people. And I know this is what every human in the world is looking for. They're not looking for anything else. Everyone in every seat right here today is looking for one thing. Do I matter? Am I valued at all? Can I hope again? Can I believe again? Can I have faith again? What do I, how? God help me. I can't. She says, no prophet, don't stir up hope. And I love how the word of God goes forth and says, it's going to happen. I've already spoken it. You're going to be okay. And then what happens? I'm going to give you the last key. I'm going to give you the last principle. What happens is she gets the kid. Hope fulfilled, right? And then he dies. And what happens is the father sits here, and I, I've, I've been there. I've had miscarriages. We, this, not, this is not a fun subject. I know this is touching the hearts of so many people right now. And, and right now, as you allow yourself to just feel this, just let it reflect and settle in because the Holy Spirit's about to bring you to a point of celebration, okay? So what, what he, uh, he dies, and he dies in the arms of the father. Now, the father has not mentioned this story. And what you don't believe for, you won't fight for. So you got to believe first. And when you believe, you got to then fight for it. 
Because what mama did is mama didn't go talk to the problem about her God. She went and got God and said, you need to take care of my problem. And she began to introduce God into her situation and said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to sit here and mourn and complain. The hope that you gave me, you better take care. I'm going to bring this really real for some people in here. The marriage that's falling apart right now, you better show up because you gave me this spouse. The family that you promised me that's being scattered and pulled in every direction, you got to bring it together, Lord. The, the position that God promised you, God is going to deliver it for you. And God will restore it to you. God will lift it up for you because everything, if he can speak the universe into existence and uphold it with his word, he can uphold every promise in your life. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise because you need to learn how to fight with your clap, how to fight with your voice. No, no, God. You promised me I was going to be a part of a church that helps me. You promised me that we we're going to move to a community that accepted me. You promised me that we we're going to change the world. You promised, God. You promised that peace would come that surpasses my understanding. God is going to uphold every word he's spoken over you. Some of you who have neglected your dreams and you don't even know if you have one anymore. You don't know if you can dare to believe anymore. I've been there. I've had people in my life tell me, you ought to shoot your dream in the face. Nothing about your dream should happen. And that wasn't some random crazy person in a straitjacket. Somebody who mattered to me. And you know what? I had to say, thanks, but I got to pursue what the Holy Spirit told me. And I got to be obedient to him. And I have to fight for mine. So you're going to have to get out of the way. Because you can't stand between me and my promise. You're not going to stand between me and my hope. I'm running to the mountain. I'm running to the mountain. I'm running to God. I'm running to his word. Every time the enemy tries to bring discouragement and doubt and all the disbelief in your life and pain and hurt, and every time the, voice, the enemy's voice tries to say, it's dead, it's gone, your son is in a coffin, ain't nothing going to happen, God says, wake up and rise, young man, because now is the time. And God begins to speak life into you. You thought you were coming into a cute Sunday morning service where you're just going to sit back, relax, and just walk out with a cute smile. Let me tell you, you're going to walk out with life in you. You're going to walk out with a dream because if it's only Pastor Joel dreaming, it's not going to get very far. If it's only just one of us dreaming, it's not going to go very far. But if all of us begin to dream, if everybody begins to hope, if all of us begin to fight with our praise, fight with our worship, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I war. This is how I get back on my feet. This is how I say no to the devil and watch him flee and stand with power and authority that no matter what comes against you, it shall not prosper and you will be victorious. Come on, let's give God some praise one more time. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we wanna invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.